Our second reading today comes from Luke, chapter 12, verses 42 through 48. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says to himself, my master is delayed in coming, and if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That slave who knew what his master wanted but did not prepare himself or do what was wanted will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. The word of the Lord. Thanks. So if you've ever wanted to know where that sort of, to whom much is given, much is expected, there it is. It's in Luke 12. Um, I know sometimes we have these passages that sort of stick in our head, and we're like, where was that from? It was like a reminder, like, oh, there it is. So if there is one place in my family where there are sure battle lines that have been drawn, it's over vegetables. And one in particular seems to be the one that does my family in. It is the humble tomato. Ask any of the boys in the family about eating tomatoes, and there is not even a second guess. Pile them up. When I was growing up, my grandmother, who's from Indiana, and you know, yellow, toma- yellow tomatoes from Indiana, right? We get those cut up in slices, and my grandmother, who my mom swears is the reason why I use condiments on everything, it's my grandmother's fault, as if, like, that's a fault, right? Um, would... Do nothing but put some mayonnaise and some salt and pepper on those tomatoes. And if there was any way that I could describe to you summer in a taste, it's a fresh tomato with a little mayonnaise and a little salt and a little pepper. If you asked my wife what the worst possible expression of summer could possibly be in a taste. It would be a sliced tomato with mayonnaise and salt and pepper on it. It is so bad with Frankie that even if there are tomatoes on a salad, she will refuse the entire salad. It is like a human repelling device for my daughter to have tomatoes on anything. However... Somehow there is one place that we were able to have a peace treaty. We can all kind of tolerate tomatoes together. And it is the August tomato. You know what I'm talking about. I don't even have to describe it, and I'm seeing nods. You know, go down to the farm stand, right? August tomato. It's bright red, right? And it's juicy, but not too juicy. And you slice it with that knife, because you have to have a specific knife with the tomato. But you slice it. And 
the skin of that tomato just gives a little bit, but it's a clean slice. You don't have BLTs unless you've got the August tomato. Everything else is a poor imitation. Your salad is like something you've never had before because you've got that August tomato on that salad. Everything makes a little bit more sense in August for me because of that tomato. Which might speak to deeper issues I'm wrestling with, but still. I love that August tomato because in part, it is, when I understand tomatoes, it is how I'm able to understand what a tomato is supposed to taste like, what it's supposed to be. The idealized world of forms, this is the tomato. And somebody took care of that. Somebody watched over that tomato. Somebody knew how to garden it well. And so that fresh tomato is the fullness of what it could be because somebody was caring for it. And so that's how I want to start talking about stewardship and creation today. Now, we started with Genesis, which is familiar to many of us. You know, you start as a kid, and you're like, how am I going to read the Bible? Well, everybody else taught me to start at the beginning, so here we go. You start reading the first couple pages, and you see these creation stories. Remember that there's two creation stories at the beginning of Genesis. And this is the end of the first one. And I want you to remember the order of things, right? So the first part of Genesis 1, we're creating things out of nothing. God is creating and creating, creating, and then creates humanity. He creates humanity in God's own image. We are image bearers of the one who has created this entire universe and has set it up to be good and very good. When you have a perfect deity calling something good and very good, you take it for its word. And even at the end of the passage we looked at, Genesis 2.1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. There was so much potential. And in the garden, before the fall we were given this mandate to go out and be fruitful and to multiply and to have dominion over everything, that God had given us the seed of all plants and animals, and it was ours to care for. And because we were in the image and likeness of God, we were set here to care for this world the way God cares, would want to care for this world. Before the fall, we were tasked with this special job. If you can consider who did God made us, who did God make us to be in our best and most perfect and most holy form, you simply have to look at Genesis 1 and what we were tasked to do. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over this world, care for it. And in fact, you read through more of Genesis 2 and you see the first task that we as humanity, according to Genesis, were supposed to do is we were working the earth. We were caring for it. 
It says in Genesis 2 that before the fall, we were sent out in the garden to work and to take care of it. The Septuagint translation, which is a translation that a bunch of scholars took the Hebrew text and translated it into Greek in order for early folks around the Greco-Roman era could, trans- could see it in their own language. When they translated this, it was to work it and to serve it. Before the fall, before the brokenness of this world, when we were created good and very good, the image of God, God's self, we were tasked with caring and serving the creation. All of it. Every last seed, every last animal, every last plant that grew. As the image bearers of God, we were here to care for the world and use it in the service of God. That the cultivation of the earth itself could be a form of worship. We were meant to be cultivators. And if you think about that word cultivation, it's taking the potential of seed form and doing something with it. You think if you have a garden... And you start with that small plant, or you start with that seed. There's hope in there, right? No gardener starts in May and is like, well, I know this thing's going to die. No, you like hope for the best for that plant, right? You set it in the ground. You... Do a little research to make sure you're going to get the appropriate fertilizer. You make sure that you're watering it appropriately. You set time apart in your busy schedule to pay attention to something that has no way to respond back to you except to become what it is meant to be. You hope that that tomato plant will become the definition of summer in August. You hope that that apple tree that you have spent years pruning will finally remind you everything that is fall in a single bite. And that has been our job since we were created. We become blessed because we do the thing that God has called us to do because of that cultivation when we finally pull that tomato off of the plant and we eat it, we remember that, gosh, this world was created good and very good. Now, sometimes we can take that a little further. I will tell you that the November tomato is not the August tomato. It is a sad substitute at best. It's like wet cardboard. Now, thank God I know what an August tomato like, so I can sort of fake my way through it, amble my way through a salad that's got those, like, on the salad bar, halfway shriveled cherry tomatoes, and like, why don't they pick those ones out? Like, does anybody not care? And they just toss them in. Again, I really struggle with bad tomatoes. Yeah, the November tomato is edible, but is it the same as flourishing? No, no. It's okay, we could be honest about that. Our call can be to take the seeds of this creation 
all of it and assist them in becoming their fullness. And this blesses all of us. This was our task when we were created good and very good. Yet, of course, we don't live in the garden anymore. Brokenness has entered our lives. That image of God that we have created to be, that been created to be, has sort of become a bit more cloudy to understand. The mirror that we look into to see the reflection of God is cracked. Harder to recognize who we are and what we're called to be. But that doesn't mean that somehow we aren't the same beautiful, God-created people that we were meant to be from the beginning. Just because the world is full of brokenness now doesn't mean that we were not created good and very good with the task of cultivating this creation. It's just become a little harder. Be really easy if I had God right here walking like God was walking in the garden and be like, God, should I use a little miracle grow or should I pick like something else? And God could say, well... My beloved child, I would personally use Miracle Grow. I could say, Thanks, God. And God would say, No problem. Boy, that would be great. Best green thumb, the one who created the universe itself. But again, sometimes that cultivation has become more difficult. Unlocking God's full potential in the creation has at times sadly become for our own gain. It is great, for instance, that we have found a way to use oil from the ground to move society forward, but it seems at times to come at a heavy price in the air and in the soil. It's great that we can now feed the whole world cheaply from any source, but it seems to exacted a heavy burden on the animals that are in factory farms. And it's great that we've been able to subdue the deserts to live in them, but it seems to have meant that now we have verdant grass growing in places that it wasn't meant to. You now can go golfing in Arizona. Great. You want grass in your, in your house in the desert? Sure you could do it. But at what cost? Is green grass in the desert meant to be flourishing there? I mean, that's a pretty picture. It seems like we can fall into a stupor of drinking and eating and violently exploiting others like Jesus was talking about in our gospel passage in the time between the garden and the time of the new Jerusalem when Jesus will come again. For those of you studying Revelation, in this already but not yet time, our brokenness, our imperfection, our fallenness, the mirror that we could see so clearly breaking at places makes it hard sometimes to really be able to see what we're called to do. And we all have been given so much. The God who created this world gave us the keys of the creation in God's image and said, take care of it. Indeed, much has been given to all of us, and so much is expected. As we think about our call 
to stewardship of creation. We remember that we, too, are part of the created. In a culture that demands so often that we create, we build, we define our livelihoods, our success is predicated on what we do, it's hard sometimes to remember that we were not the ones who created this world. In fact, we were the ones created, just like the flower, just like the August tomato. The distance between us and the tomato we eat is far closer than the distance between that tomato and us and God. We are invited into a closer relationship to all of this creation. And we are called to be the image bearers of a holy God who did create this world good and very good. In the time now, after the fall, but before Christ returns, our call to to be stewards means that we have to find a balance between the flourishing of all creation as much as we can. It means that we work to minimize exploitation. It's not perfect. It will never be perfect. But what are ways that we might be able to do certain things that will help bring just a little bit more flourishing, that we complete our task as stewards of this creation? And our denomination has made this a priority, too, If we're thinking about what are ways that we can engage in stewardship over the next couple years, we could become an earth care congregation. This is the map of all the earth care congregations in the PCUSA in the state of Ohio. Not a whole lot. The idea of an earth care congregation means to seriously take our call to this kind of stewardship through worship and education and facilities and outreach. It means... Yeah, we will make sure to put, like, LED bulbs in our lights. It means that maybe we could avoid using styrofoam every once in a while. But it also means spending time in worship, thinking about what does it mean to be created and not the creators. It means inviting people to take walks in our beautiful property, to experience God's creation, to worship outside, to love this world that we've been given. The closest earth care congregation to us is actually Delaware First. That's that one right there, who's been an earth care congregation since 2015. What would it be like for us to join our cousin congregation, one that we have been attached to the hip with for over 200 years, to make this commitment to say, yeah, we'll care about the earth too. That's something we could do as stewards in this world today. We could start this afternoon. And I know that there are some folks in this congregation who I've talked to about starting this process. So if you're interested, come and find me, and we'll hook you up. We can do this. We have the resources. And let's not forget last week either. Our call to stewarding relationships means that we can also seek flourishing in each other. If you feel like there's someone who you don't know super well, and you want a chance to tend the garden that God has so graciously given us, ask him out to lunch. Ask him out to lunch after church. Find a time to get a cup of coffee. 
Have it be a two-way relationship. Here's your chance to be a steward of God's creation in the lives of one another. These are truly the gifts of God for the people of God. This world that we have been given is beautiful and rich, and we have been given the opportunity from the time that we were created to bear the image of God and care for it. Let's do it. We have nothing to lose. Thanks be to God.